Welcome to the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Now get ready for another episode of Shades of the Afterlife with Sandra Champlain. The thoughts and opinions expressed by the host are thoughts and opinions only and do not necessarily reflect those of iHeartMedia, iHeartRadio, Coast to Coast AM, employees of Premier Networks or their sponsors and associates. You are encouraged to do the proper amount of research yourself, depending on the subject matter and your needs. Hi, I'm Sandra Champlain. For almost 25 years, I've been on a journey to prove the existence of life after death. On each episode, we'll discuss the reasons we now know that our loved ones have survived physical death. And so will we. Welcome to Shades of the Afterlife. Today marks episode 52. So if you wanted to, you could play one episode a week. How about that? Today, we're going to talk to near-death experiencer Trisha Barker, who comes from Texas, and she teaches English and creative writing. She's been featured on the A&E television show, I Survived, Beyond and Back, and she's been featured in National Geographic magazine. She's the author of the book, Angels in the O.R., What Dying Taught Me About Healing, Survival, and Transformation. You can find out more about her and her story at trishabarkernde.com. Trisha, welcome to Shades of the Afterlife. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to get to chat with you. And we're so excited to have you here. So tell us a little bit about you. Everyone really enjoys hearing near-death experience stories, and I think they make a huge difference in our belief of the afterlife. So for you, you're coming to us from Texas. You're a Texas girl. I am. I grew up in East Texas, and I was raised in an evangelical home. And um, by the time I was in junior high or high school, my, my parents didn't have a very good relationship, and there was a lot of tragedy really to their relationship and their relationship with me. And I kind of turned away from all religion and all talk like that. And I cared only about education. So my holy grail was getting to college, getting out of that small town, getting the best scholarships I could get. And I was very literal minded. You know, I just kind of pushed spirituality out to the side. I joke, you know, that Emerson and Walt Whitman were about as (laughs) close to spirituality as I got as an English major. Okay. But um, when I had this accident, that is when everything changed. So most of my friends in college were agnostic and, you know, just we weren't interested in spirituality. And the very moment that I stepped out of form, I so wanted to come back just to tell them, you know, like, we go on, we go on. I was wrong. <laughs> you know, like, that was my first thought out of form. Can you tell us what happened in the accident? Yes. Yeah, so I was um, on my way to run the Austin 10K, which is a big race. And this was a symbol of getting my life back together. I was about to graduate and I'd done, done a little bit of partying and, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, my grade point average wasn't where it should be. And I thought that this race was like, symbolic in some way. It turned out to be symbolic in a totally different way. I had a head-on collision and it was written down as my fault. I go back in my mind many times and try to figure out if he jumped the gun on his light. But um, it was a driving there to the Austin 10K? Okay. Yes. It was a strange intersection where there's two lights and I know the first one was yellow and we both hit each other going about 60 miles an hour. Oh my gosh. So he was in a big suburban and I was in a small little car and I knew that something was completely wrong. I couldn't bend over to get to my glove box. So my back was fractured so badly that I was just slumped against the door and I didn't have health insurance and waited 17 hours before someone operated on me. And yeah, no painkillers, nothing, just strapped to this board, losing my mind in the hospital and then I went into surgery, and that's when I died. And how, how do you even ask, what was that like? I mean, <laughs> did, you flatlined on the table. I mean, what, what was it for, well, like from your you, perspective, I guess? Is you the, know, and the minute I stepped out of form, I guess I was not technically dead yet. So I, I do believe the spirit can leave 
you know, when you're getting close right. to death. Right. So I was out of form and I saw my body and it was already opened up and it was very bloody. There was a lot, um, you know, of my back that they had opened up and my hip. And from that vantage point, you know, the body looked pretty gruesome, but I was still excited. I was like, oh, there's this soul. There's this part of me that's the eternal me that really matters. And this is what goes on. And that was my first thought. And then then I looked over and saw the angels and they were so intelligent. You know, my first thought was, wow, they know so much more about this environment than I do. Like I can depend on them and they will give me that information that I need to navigate this part of my life. And the angels still continue to, oh, they're very important to me. But in that moment, they did many things at once. They calmed me down and told me everything would be fine. I would walk again, and then they sent healing energy through the back of the surgeons and into my body. But that was the moment that I actually died. So that, that's when the monitor began to flatline. And I saw that they were the ones that were picking out the bone fragments that were pressing on my spine, and they were the ones that were going to, I don't know, affect it in some way. They the you angels. Know, my, yes, yes. <laughs> you know, that they had an effect on my healing. And it was through the doctors, you know, it was, yeah, it was, you know, through them, but they were altering it in some way. And I was really shocked by that moment. And the only thing over the years that I've been able to connect with that is, well, maybe they can work through us and we can just be more open to that possibility in our lives. And so that was, that was the first part of the near-death experience. What and then did it, they look like, if you don't mind me asking? Because I would think, yeah. did you have a moment going like, holy cow, I'm looking down at my own body? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't too fun looking at the body. I, I felt disconnected from it already and more connected to my spirit form. But the angels were larger than me, so eight, nine feet tall wow. and very intelligent and they were more there were I guess you know some people call them light beings and I see why because they weren't solid um you know they were just uh, the kind of a wavy light and they were beautiful kind of androgynous so I couldn't tell you know masculine or feminine mm -hmm. energy but but longish hair and light came out of their eyes and that was the part that was just overwhelming was how much knowledge was telepathically communicated to me. So, you know, it was a different form of communication. And that's, I guess I was struck more by what they were saying and that information that was being passed to me than, than what they look like. But, but it was odd, you know, to see these eight, nine yes. feet tall beings standing there. And that part of the near-death experience took place, you know, in the operating room. As soon as I flatlined, that's when I no longer wanted to be in that room. You know, that's when my spirit decided to keep going. Could you see other things going on? Could you see any family, friends, anywhere? Oh, yes, yes. So as I was leaving the hospital, I saw my stepdad. And this is an, my verifiable detail. And people who research NDEs love verifiable details. Mm -hmm. I wish I had more. I probably could have had my doctor participated, you know, in afterwards and talked with me more. But I saw my stepdad get a candy bar out of the machine and I didn't know him very well. Um, my mom had married him a couple of years when I or into college. So he's only been in my life a couple of years and they were super healthy. They never ate candy or sugar. And there he was getting this candy bar. And I thought, hmm, all right, that's interesting. I hope he's good to mom. And I thought I was just dead at that point. Sure. And I was like, you know, let's just hope that they have a good life without me in it. And I kept going. And then I kind of merged. There was this oneness that I felt with everyone I'd ever known and everyone in the town of Austin. I know that sounds kind of strange, but I just felt like I was part of their thoughts for that moment and part of this oneness of the town. And I was above it and it was dark outside and... Then this is how it transitioned from this oneness to sort of a life review to the heavenly landscape. But mm -hmm. I felt this oneness and I saw from the perspective of different people who were, they loved me and they cared about me and I wasn't that open to them. And I thought, oh, that's so sad that I was so 
selfish and consumed with myself and my own pain and my own depression that I didn't even reach out to people around me. And I saw that as a lesson. I was like, wow, there's really good people all around us and we just overlook them. Maybe they don't wear cool clothes or maybe they're not, you know, like who you thought would be a friend, but they end up being just amazing because of their heart. And and that moment was like, oh, okay, you know, I see into them and I want to be different if I come back. I want to really know people for who they are inside. And then I kind of transitioned into more of a life review and I wasn't judged, you know, I was really just kind of shown how to be better in some situations and how to create more love in this world. And anything that was done to me, so any abuse that I suffered or any pain or bullying, man, that was just gone. So I didn't have to relive that. That was not part of my review. I was just loved and I felt supported and happy and at peace. And that kind of transitioned into the heavenly landscape, which was just gorgeous. And I, I did grow up close to nature, but that's when it seemed as if nature was talking to me in that environment and giving me messages kind of the way the angels did. And the messages were things like, remind them to go to nature. And I thought, oh, that's very simple. <laughs> you know, like, you know, it doesn't sound complicated, but, right. but that was a, a really clear message. And another message that kind of came from this heavenly landscape was, love is all that matters. And I was like, okay, okay. <laughs> you know, uh-huh. another very simple statement, but, you know, I held on to it. And then as I got into this heavenly landscape, my grandfather was the only person who was dead at that time that I knew. And he was there and much younger, <laughs> you know, I almost didn't recognize him because he looked so good and healthy mm-hmm. and um, and young. And as a child, he was very loving and playful and would often put me in the back of a pickup truck and let me, you know, like look at nature. And so that's what we did. And some people have questioned me about that part of my near death experience. Like, why would a truck be there? (laughs) And I was like, I wouldn't have recognized my grandfather if it wasn't for his blue truck, because he looks so young, (laughs) like I wouldn't have known it was him. And so I think it was like this way of, of him telling me, you know, this is me. Trisha, we need to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll find out more about your grandfather's truck and your near-death experience. And just so everybody knows, when we do transition, it looks like Earth. It's a place that we feel very comfortable, like we are at home. Very real. Yes, our trucks are there. The trees are there. Our loved ones are there. It's very familiar to us. So we'll be back in just a moment. You're listening to Shades of the Afterlife on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Stay right there. There's more Sandra coming right up. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. 
I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpern. It's just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with the Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut, and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And now back to Sandra Champlain and Shades of the Afterlife. Welcome back to Shades of the Afterlife. I'm Sandra Champlain, and we are here with Trisha Barker as she explains her near-death experience. So, Trisha, you were last in your grandfather's truck. And so I was in the truck and then he turned to me and he said, well, it's up to you. Do you want to keep going? And I said, definitely. You know, and I saw this light and the light was beckoning to me and so beautiful. And so my spirit form was just going toward that light, which I consider the light of God. And I felt different people's prayers trying to pull my spirit back. And I felt the exact words that they said, you know, one aunt had lost a daughter about my age, and I could hear her clearly begging God, you know, don't let this happen, you know, don't let her die. And then, you know, I, I just felt, you know, mom and dad and, and different people praying, but I didn't care. Like that point, and this is, you know, everyone's different. Mm-hmm. And I think I was pretty broken at that time. You know, I was a really lost, sad person, and I had never experienced that kind of love. And I didn't want anything more than that love. You know, I was like, this is what I've always dreamed up, what I've always hoped for. And I don't want to come back to that body in that life. You know, I I want to stay here. Mm -hmm. And it supported me in a way that was, oh, so amazing. (laughs) Near-death experiencers often cry, you know, at this moment. And I do too, because when I think about that love and that light of God, Well, if we only could feel just a glimpse of that every day, we would be so at ease. There would be no worry, no pain, nothing. You know, we would just feel that we are perfect the way we are and we're part of God. And so I wanted to keep going and merge and and be in this place forever. But God stopped me and said, look down. And there were all these lights along a river. And I immediately just kind of knew that these would be students And that I would have to remind them of their spiritual purpose and that I had some mission to be in their lives to really just help them turn on their lights and and not be lost. And uh, and I didn't want to do this. (laughs) And so I, you know, I knew that when I was in college, I wanted to make money when I left college, possibly go into editing or law or, you know, many, Mm -hmm. many different possibilities. And then it was just very clear, not that I was going to be a spiritual teacher, but that I was going to be an actual teacher. <laughs> and I was like, no, uh-huh. this, this is not my plan. And I didn't have, you know, much more time with God. Um, and then I was back in my body. And of course, that being the last message from God, I couldn't not do it. <laughs> so I knew I had to teach. Wow. And then waking up in your body, I can't even imagine the pain. Oh, so disorienting. And my first thought was, oh, darn, you know, I have to be, you know, like encased in her consciousness and her mental limitations and in that place of so much knowledge and connection and beauty. 
you know, we're very limited when we come back to our bodies. I mean, certainly we can access, you know, more of that through meditation. And I know this now, but, you know, at that time I was just like, oh, boring, you know, 3D reality, (laughs) not what I want to come back to. Mm. And then all the pain too. So even though, you know, I was very groggy from the anesthesia and all of that, I was cognizant enough to know in that very moment that I died. And that's all I wanted to talk about. <laughs> you know, so it became, you know, clear to my surgeon and everyone that that was what I wanted to discuss. And they were not so happy about it. <laughs> you know, like there were, um, you know, they kept trying to move the topic away from my death. But I did get confirmation that that my surgeon said she thought she lost me for a couple of minutes, but I was fine. Wow. How about the candy bar? Did you find out the guy ate the candy bar? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, about a couple of weeks later, I asked my mom about that. And I was like, did James go get a candy bar? And she said, yeah, he was uncomfortable when my real dad showed up. He'd never met him before. And, you know, mom and dad were talking. And so he walked around the hospital and let them talk. And Then he came back with this Snickers bar in his hand and he made a joke when he walked back into the room and everyone felt better. But she said that while he was walking around, she fell to her knees and started praying. And so did my dad, because she was pretty certain that I died. And I thought that was really interesting. I do believe there is a biological connection between people. And she must have known at that moment, you know, that I had died. Just shows the power of prayer. And even talking about the candy bar, there's a, I don't know if you know Dr. Ken Ring. He, oh yeah. Yeah. He's awesome. He, he followed up with a lot of Dr. Raymond Moody's, um, investigations, but he studied only blind people who had never had vision. And there's a great story of a lady who had a near-death experience and she could see for the first time and she saw the doctor wore two different color socks and (laughs) he dropped a pen and her husband reached down and picked up the pen and gave it back. And like all of that was correct. It's amazing. I mean, I love those verifiable details like that. I've, I've heard some cool stories along those lines and that that should be enough to make everyone a believer, right? <laughs> you know, like <laughs> I think so. <laughs> that alone, you know, and I think uh, that's what I keep telling my agnostic friends many times. I'm like, but I have a verifiable detail outside of my body. Mm-hmm. And I think they just kind of shut down at that point. That's like, oh, well, okay, maybe. <laughs> they, it's just not where they want to go. Yeah, it's hard being human, though. You know, even all these <laughs> interviews I do, it's like, did that really happen? Did they really say that? You know, I think that's just the na- nature of her humanity. So when you came back and you healed, which I would assume took a long time. Yeah, yeah. So back then in 94, they put you in a body cast. So a Texas summer is what I spent in three to four months. It was, you know, my accident happened in late April. So May, June, July, August is when I got out of the cast. But I was in a body cast and... Learned to walk very slowly, so I walked to the mailbox first, and then I walked down the street, and my neighbors cheered me on. You know, I was this odd-looking, <laughs> odd-looking kid in a big body cast, and uh, but I was so full of life, like so different from who I'd been before. You know, I'd been very shy, and then I knew all my neighbors on the road, you know, on our street, and I just would talk with anyone who wanted to talk about what I'd gone through. And, you know, I just felt blown open wide. So you really had the experience transform you. Oh, definitely, definitely. And, you know, there were lots of after effects and I didn't have anything other than Raymond Moody's books and Dan and Brinkley. I know there's near-death experiencers who had, you know, these experiences in the 60s and didn't even have that. Right. But that's all I really had. But they felt, you know... They felt like friends. I was like, they mm-hmm. get me. <laughs> they understand what I went through. And around me, people were a mix of belief and disbelief. And so, you know, just reading these these books gave me great peace. And I actually went to hear Brinkley speak. And, you know, he's funny and confident. And so I was like, well, you know what? I'm just going to go through my life with confidence as well. This is my story, my experience. And exactly. I own it. <laughs> yeah. I interviewed him on this show and he was so funny. 
Oh, oh yeah. he's great. He's just great. He's called yeah. me Sand. Oh, yeah. come on, Sand. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, all right. Oh, he's great. Just great. Yeah. So he was then, like, before my NDE, I was an SOB. <laughs> he was. He was a bad guy. Yeah. Yeah. It's, just, it's so heartwarming to hear. And then this is obviously many years after the fact, but you're somebody who now really feels drawn to help well help everybody but in specific there's college kids need your yeah so yeah that's that's where I was at my lowest and you know that's where my near-death experience occurred so I think that I mean people come to college and they want to make their lives better in some way you know they want a better job and they also though come very broken you know from abuse or trauma or um, dysfunction, you know, yeah. in their family lives. And, and they sometimes try to figure it out in a psychology class. But why not give them the information early on about healing? You know, why not tell them, you know, like, this is how I healed. And it took all these many years, maybe if you commit to a program right now of recovery, and right now, start addressing these wounds in various ways. And it's always different for everyone, you know, where they, they get the most healing. Mm -hmm. Um, but just to open up the idea of healing from those wounds before they get married, before they start families, before, you know, they, they get to this place of, uh, just believing it'll all work out because I think there's a lot of power, and examining where you came from and what you need to learn in order to have a different life. Say more about that, would you? Because I know that even though I'm over college age and many of us are, yeah. we, still, we still have those kids within us that things haven't yeah. been dealt with or looked at. And we all want yeah. that happily ever after. Yeah. So say someone has um, suffered a lot of narcissistic abuse or emotional abuse. And that was my case. Um, you know, I didn't, I didn't know that I kept attracting narcissists into my life. You know, like I didn't really know the signs to go, wow, this person, you know, makes me feel really good in the beginning. And then they somehow make me feel bad. And, but I want to get back to that place of being adored and happy and, I didn't really think it was wrong to be treated that way because that's what I grew up with. And so I think, you know, just even that alone, that information, you know, given to college students when they really, if they could just sink in, you know, like this is not how you should be treated by anyone, you know, and, and know this, you know, on some deep level, then maybe they would learn to step away and to start more than that, to heal that part of themselves and really go, I can love this wounded child within me and I can be that parent to that wounded child who didn't get the love that they needed. And really, you know, like once that process begins, then you're really on the right track because you're not looking for it in someone else. You're going, I can do this. You know, I can take care of myself. I can take care of my emotional needs and I can make wise choices about who I choose for friends and, and also learn along the way. Trisha, we're looking forward to hearing so much more when we come back after the break. You're listening to Shades of the Afterlife on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Don't go anywhere. There's more Shades of the Afterlife coming right up. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years 
and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halper. Just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut, and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The best afterlife information you can get while you're alive. Shades of the Afterlife with Sandra Champlain. Welcome back to Shades of the Afterlife. I'm Sandra Champlain, and we are with our special guest, Trisha Barker, who's the author of Angels in the OR, What Dying Taught Me About Healing, Survival, and Transformation. Trisha, before the break, we were talking about the college students that you impact. I know some kids now who are teenagers that are having a very, very tough time, parents having problems with anger, drugs, alcohol, and it gets taken out on the kids. And unfortunately, growing up, we think our parents are our anchors to life. We look up to them. And those formative years can be so difficult. And unfortunately, this is way too common. Yeah, it's so common. And that's what I realized in the classroom is that, yes, I suffered, you know, various things from various people as a kid. And yet what I experienced is a drop in the bucket compared to some of the situations that I saw in other kids' lives that required, you know, immediate assistance and, you know, calling CPS and the police and getting involved in a real way. And sometimes these situations wouldn't change even after all that. And I had to just be that anchor for that student and say, you can get through this, you know, like you can get a job, you can stay out of your home as much as possible you know, you can, you know, there are things that you can do to make it through this life and keep looking at your future. And so I just hoped that I was that voice that, you know, just reminded them that they could get through it, you know, and that they could create a different life. And, and it was painful, some of these situations that, you know, I encountered in students' lives. I mean, I, I just came home and cried and cried and cried. But in retrospect, I'm like, I'm so glad I was there because there were so many people who overlooked, you know, different kids who'd gone through different things. Like there were teachers who actually, and this blows my mind, but they blamed a young girl for wearing a mini skirt to a party who was raped by three guys. And I, I just tore into them. I was like, you're out of your mind. You know, like this young girl is not to blame. You know, like this is, you know, these boys should be held accountable. I mean, yeah, I mean, we can always talk about your personal safety and going to parties and not accepting drinks. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, we can always, you know, look at these elements, but, but, you know, the, the mind and the culture of different people, even teachers that I encountered, I was like, 
well, thank God I'm here. <laughs> you know, like, thank God that I can, you know, address this in a different way and, you know, tell this young girl that, you know, she's not to blame. Yeah, we hear these stories all the time, you know, kids that are now adults, but life was going really bad. And they always say, it was my teacher so-and-so and my teacher so-and-so that believed in me. And sometimes it just takes that one person. Yeah. And that, that was a message from God too. You know, like I went into every classroom believing that the divine spark was in all of them, no matter how angry or how lost or how um, messed up their lives were. It was like, I'm here to see that divine light and it may not get turned on at that moment. (laughs) You know, it might just be that I'm simply giving them a possibility of it down the road. And that really did make for miracles in the classroom. I mean, it, you know, maybe not for everyone. I'm sure some people just tuned me out and, you know, another teacher, but, but there were certainly kids who I know their lives were altered because they came across my path. And I felt like it was divine intervention, you know, it was meant to be there. Yeah. And even now, Sure, there could be some college-age students, but even if we're 50, 60, 70 years old, there's still that person inside. I really believe it, each one of us, that you know they may have escaped and not had a teacher then or somebody that talked to their light, you know, but yeah. it's, it's not too late. And you're talking to each one of us right now. Yeah, that and that connection, it's something that I forgot about, you know, at times in life. Mm-hmm. You know, I know a lot of near-death experiencers talk about how they come back and they're so full of life and well certainly life hit me pretty hard in different situations and I never completely lost that thread that connection to God but there were certainly times when I was just depressed about being back here and suffering and and yet I think the healing really comes from examining that connection to God and I think that that's what what can heal a lot of people is just realizing that, you know, they do have that access to that unconditional love and that peace of God. And no matter what they're going through, that it's, you know, they may not feel it in that dark moment, but it does exist and it can be accessed again. How can we access it? <laughs> you know, nature is one way, you know, like there's many ways, but certainly Oh, grounding and taking walks in nature will at least make the nervous system calm down a little, maybe enough to meditate and to pray and and to um, fight with the mind almost. You know, like I, I do suffer from depression, so mm-hmm. I kind of treat my mind as if I'm training it. <laughs> you know, like, no, no, don't think that way. Stop it. <laughs> think this way. Get into this energetic place where you're much happier and, you know, in this place of, um, even if you have to force yourself there, you know, just even with statements or affirmations until you're in this better energetic place, that's a beginning. But I think staying open in general too, like through meditation and just go, angels, God, you know, please come to me in this meditation, come to me in this moment and just that openness can sometimes allow that flow. Yeah, that's great advice. Because I think nature of the beast, being human, yeah, everybody hears me so positive and happy-go-lucky on this show. I've got lots of down times. I don't know if I'd call yeah. it depressed or not, but sometimes it's hard to get out of the house. It's hard to go outside. I mean, it's... You know, I'm trapped in my own thoughts and what I have to do. And it's always refreshing to hear somebody say, you got to train your mind. You don't have, like, we don't have to buy into the thoughts that it's thinking. You know, I'm not purposely putting those thoughts in, but going and getting some sunshine on my shoulders or going for a walk or putting on some happy music. Um, yes. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Once I even put on some of my favorite dance music and the last thing I felt like doing was listening, but I forced (laughs) myself to to dance a little and it made me feel good. I thought, yes, (laughs) it's such a silly little trick, but it helped. Oh, yeah. Like, I I believe that dancing is very grounding, too. You Mm -hmm. know, whenever I do a really long meditation, I'll either go outside and, you know, just stand in the grass or either dance or something to just bring me back into the body. And, and that's, you know, that is very helpful. Um, you know, there, I think what is beautiful about near death experiences and people who 
listen to others who talk about spiritual matters and spiritual experiences is I think it does connect us again to that flow of light. I mean, I'm sure that's what partly one of the reasons why you like studying this is you hear these stories and then you're in that place for a little bit. Oh, without a doubt. I can't be having a bad day and then pick up the phone and call you and then hang up and be, woe is me. I don't matter. No, it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. Now, through meditating, Tricia, have you felt like you've gone home back with the angels? Have you had any connection that you feel like? Oh, yeah. You have? Yeah. Yeah. So I've many times I've felt the angels just there to comfort me or give me messages. Um, it's It sounds so strange, and I'm such a grounded person, so now that I start talking about this stuff openly, um, you know, I, I know how it sounds, but I've left form, and I've flown around in the sky, and I had this one really beautiful meditation where I felt like I merged with this hawk, and the hawk was like going down to catch a mouse in a field, and I felt like what it was like to go that fast and, and go towards earth and catch this mouse. And I thought, okay, that's strange. And the next day I got into my car and a hawk, I've never seen a hawk do this, you know, like normally they'll sit on a, a fence post or signpost or whatever far away. But this one swooped down by my car so close and was flying next to my car. And then it flew off and then it came back to my car and, and kind of just, you know, flew along beside me. And I was like, this is so strange. It's almost as if the hawk was trying to tell me, you know, your meditation was correct. And your meditation, do you just concentrate on your breath or try to quiet your mind? Or can you, how do you meditate yourself? You know, I just love it. So I, I try many different forms of meditation. So yeah, certainly we'll do, you know, a 20 minute meditation where I'm just following my breath and calming my mind. But I do enjoy guided meditations from various people. You know, I think I like to sometimes when I'm in an agitated state, um, I find it easier to follow someone and to follow their guidance and get out of myself in that way. So I love that type of meditation. I was at the IANS convention and even Alexander and Karen Newell had a meditation with sacred acoustics mm-hmm. and oh my gosh that was beautiful i love that <laughs> that mm-hmm. that was really wonderful i interviewed both of them separate occasions but karen newell talked about the sacred acoustics and uh just beautiful oh. and i know just what you mean sometimes just following somebody i created a guided meditation it's 20 minutes and it is putting you in the space and reconnecting you with your loved one who has crossed over And it seems in the beginning, you know, sometimes maybe it's hard to quiet your mind, but I really truly believe that meditation is like a muscle to build and, and even allowing that space where your loved ones can meet up with your frequency. And what ends up happening to many people, including myself, is the images come clearer and clearer and they don't seem like dreams they seem like something that's actually just happened and i say it's because it has you know (laughs) (laughs) yes so So you connect with loved ones yeah and i mean i want to be doing more of these visualizations i know i've listened to others and i think maybe you need to create one too to go along with your book that would be great yeah Tricia, looking at time, we've got to take a break but for anyone listening who'd like a copy of my reconnections that audio I was just telling you about. If you go to wedontdie.com and you click on book links, you will find it there. Enough said. Anyways, Trisha will come back and we'll find out more and get some closing thoughts from you as well. You're listening to Shades of the Afterlife on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Don't go anywhere. There's more Shades of the Afterlife coming right up. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, 
the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halper. It's just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut, and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Heard on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you find your favorite shows. Welcome back to Shades of the Afterlife. I'm Sandra Champlain, and we're talking to Trisha Barker, author of Angels in the OR. And of course, you can find out more about Trisha at trishabarkernde.com. Trisha, before the break, I had recommended that you create your own meditations. Yeah, you know, that's in the book. There are certain moments where I have verifiable moments from, you know, my grandfather and then father from the afterlife helping me in certain moments. And so I think those who are skeptical about communication with loved ones or say, oh, that's wishful thinking. I'm like, well, but I'm here to bring some verifiable details. Like I had to leave a negative marriage and I had to leave quickly. And my grandfather came to me and he was like, get in your car and drive. And I just followed his directions. It was a street I'd never gone down. We drove way out into the country. I say we because you know I felt his spirit with me. Mm-hmm. And I ended up at a jewelry store. And I looked at my wedding ring and I thought, okay, let's just give it a shot. Maybe they buy used jewelry. And the guy bought my ring for $1,000. And that was enough to get a U-Haul and just get out of there. Yeah. And I was like, wow. You know, that was a, a moment where my life changed because of that guidance and had I not, and I did actually ask. So I pulled over on the side of the road and I was like, God, help me here. You know, how did I get in this situation? Help me get out. And that's when that guidance came. That's really great. Have you found Trisha that you've opened up your intuition or have you been 
with somebody and you've been able to either feel like a presence of one of their loved ones around or a, a message or an angel or anything like that? Because I hear those kind of stories from time to time. Yeah. Not everybody. Well, it was, it was easier with students because I thought, I'm open, you know, like every day in the classroom, I was like, if, if angels or if God wants to work through me, then go ahead. And then occasionally I do have a student who has recently lost a loved one. And I, a couple of semesters ago, I did have a young girl who lost her dad. And so it was, you know, just like two or three minutes before creative writing class started. And I said, you know, all right, <laughs> is there a message that you have for your daughter? And he told me that, She's very talented in something that doesn't have to do with academics. And that's all. And that's all I got, you know, then I had to start class. And so I just talked with her and I didn't even at first let her know that this was her dad. But I was like, what do you like and what do you consider doing for a career that's outside of education? And she was like, I would love to open a food truck. Oh, my God. You know, like oh, great. Is my passion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I was like really? Well, you, have you considered culinary arts or, you know, have you, she's like, yeah, kind of, I'm torn between being in college or doing that. And I was like, well, take a chance on it. <laughs> it was like, you know, you can always come back to community college, but if you, I see you light up about this. And she was like, yeah, my dad thought I'd be great at it. And, Aww. and she was like, and I was like, I, I kind of felt that from your dad. I hope that doesn't freak me, freak you out. <laughs> and she was like, no, not at all. <laughs> And so it uh, was just this moment where I think, you know, that that might help her in some way. Hmm. And I love, too, that you're teaching because they say creativity and imagination, like those, that's the entryway to work with the, the spirit world, you know. And so if you're doing creative writing with people, <laughs> it, it, I mean, create, it gets you into the zone, I think. It really does. It does. And you know this, I'm sure from writing, but writing is healing too. It's many, yes. it's deepening of ideas that um, stay with you throughout time. And I think my students, we've talked about issues from everything about from racism to rape to, you know, recovery wow. from alcoholism. I mean, like, you know, we have not shied away from difficult topics. And I think there's something healing about writing these stories and I always tell them, you know, you're welcome to create a happy story, you know, of your life the way you would rather it be so that you can anchor, you know, that feeling. But if you want to process trauma, we can do it, but we are going to focus on uh, on healing. Hmm. I like that idea of writing the story the way we'd like it to go. Yeah. <laughs> Almost as if God were, were uh, you know, part of our, our life in a way that, you know... So when I recreate my childhood, then I just create that feeling of safety that I felt in the presence of God. And I think we all deserve that. And so it's kind of an interesting story to at least refer back to and go, well, this is the feeling that I'd like to create in my life now. Yeah. Is there a way, Tricia, to create that feeling of self-love? Because I, I hear so many great stories <laughs> of these NDEs with this feeling of overwhelming love. And it's like, oh. I want a taste of that. <laughs> I don't want to wait. Well, the yeah, the first few years, I was just so happy. Every bite of food, I was like, I'm alive. Okay, this is great. <laughs> you know, like, wow. whatever I put in my mouth, you know, this is fun. <laughs> you know, just like the the form became fun again, because it had been ripped away. And, you know, it didn't. I, I just appreciated every moment. And I think if we all slow down a little bit more, even if we look strange to the rest of the world as we gaze at a tree or a bird mm -hmm. in the tree, you know, like right. that still allows us to slow down and just appreciate it. I mean, we, we all wake up, you know, to those, these moments when someone close to us dies and then we feel that too, you know, that, Oh, I'm still alive. And, Oh, I just lost someone. And, you know, we have to process all that. Even if it's just a friend, you know, that or acquaintance, mm -hmm. I think we're, reconnected again with how temporary everything is. But I think if we just remind ourselves of that more often, then we'll just enjoy the moment. I like it. I like it. Well, our time is drawing to the end. Are there any questions or anything you want to share? Questions that I should ask you that I haven't or um, something else you'd like to share? Some wisdom, perhaps, or even a 
bit of advice of like how we can change our day right now if we're in a, a little bit of a slump or hey, the well, floor is yours my friend the floor is yours. I, mean, I think the uh, main thing that I took away from the near-death experience was do as much good as you can do in this world but that when your life review happens and you see that you went out of your way to spread as much love to do as much good to embody that love then you really you've lived a great life. I mean, there's just there's no other you know way to describe it. Whether you're working at Starbucks or running a company, mm-hmm. you know, if you're giving love to this world, then you're in that flow of that God light. So sometimes it's just a matter of um, giving and serving this world that can reconnect us to to our own happiness. Yeah, they say service is the coin of spirit. And I believe, I believe (laughs) that when we do give, we receive, or even if we're having a bad day, you take the focus off yourself and focus on doing something for someone else. And it comes back to you 10 times, you know? Oh, yeah, definitely. And did you ever end up running your 10K? I did. You the did? next year. <laughs> yeah. The next and year. Wow. So my friends were out on the streets clapping for me. It was kind of like a big deal, you know, to of course. be that broken and then, then run the race the next year. So I did have a full recovery and that was great. That's miraculous. With the angel's help. So can yes. people, do you welcome people getting in touch with you? I know. Oh, definitely. Definitely. And your website yes. is? It's Trisha Barker, NDE.com. Oh, perfect. And Trisha, I really want to thank you for being our guest today. Oh, thank you. I've loved it and love your show. Oh, thanks. It's really <laughs> great for me and for all of us to hear your story because love is the answer. You know, it love is. is all that matters. Um, and I love your advice. Go out in nature. I've got an hour off between, between now and my next call. So it's a beautiful, sunshiny day. I'm going to go sit back outside on a bench and look at a tree and listen to the birds. <laughs> oh, awesome. I love it. Now for our listeners, don't go anywhere just yet. I'm wondering if you'd like to try an experiment with me. I know how easy it is to have negative thoughts, but what if we catch our negative thoughts and we replace them with something else, maybe something that we're grateful for. So here's what I'm proposing is that we keep a notebook handy or the notepad that's on your computer or phone or iPad and pay attention to our thinking. Now, the second part of this is I heard this past week someone say, how often do we talk to our soul? And that's a concept that I really never thought of. Now, I believe we have guides that we talk to, but I also know from some of my automatic writing exercises and other practices that we do have this divine soul that is gathering experiences and knowledge, and that is really, really wise. When you have a question, ask your soul. Now, this may sound really silly, but you know those really big, tall, skinny trees that they have in Italy? Well, I had taken a trip there many years ago, and for the last two days, I couldn't think of the name of the tree. Yesterday, when I heard this, how often do we talk to our soul, I decided to say, soul, what's the name of that tree? And all of a sudden, it came into my mind, Cypress, just like that. So in this experiment, I say, we have a conversation with our soul and really direct, like, soul, could you help me with this? And the third thing is, like Trisha said, we can journal, we can kind of rewrite our history. Now, I'm not saying from the very beginning, but at the end of the day, before you go to bed, no matter what happened, what if you write down, today was a great day? You may embellish a little bit about how great it was if it wasn't feeling that way, but see if we can rewrite history a little bit. And just pay attention how your week goes. So if you're willing to do this, so am I. And I just think it would be interesting and it's something I haven't tried yet. So with that, our home base is wedontdie.com, and there you can find so much, including a free read of my book and 
our upcoming free Sunday gathering with mediumship demonstration included, so much more. So in closing, my name is Sandra Champlain. I want to really thank you from the bottom of my heart. Remember to replace negative thinking for positive. You've been listening to Shades of the Afterlife on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. And if you like this episode of Shades of the Afterlife, wait until you hear the next one. Thank you for listening to the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network.